changing keys and in worthy uh, say that again Wor worthy you, you are worthy are you changing keys are we only playing it twice or are we playing it two times one said, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for this life. Uh, thank you for this church. Thank you for these believers. Uh, God, thank you for you. Uh, Father, I ask you that if we had this time set aside, allow us to glorify you and lift you up because you are worth it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I love that song. That song makes me happy. I don't know why it never gets old. We could sing that every single Sunday morning and I'd be really happy. Uh, otherwise, hey, I'm glad you're here. It's a, it's a great day to worship together. Uh, if you're watching online, we're glad you're with us too. Uh, will you take some time during the service and, and maybe fill your connection? Uh, otherwise, let's, let's just take just a, a few minutes of our time and let's say some hellos to people uh, before we jump back into our worship.
Good morning, good morning. I feel like Rod selected all those songs for me specifically. It's, it's like Jerry's favorite hymn day to day. Thank you, Rod. I appreciate that. Hey, we're going to be in the book of Thessalonians. If you have your Bible, you can turn with us. We're going to be there all day like always. First Thessalonians. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pre-warn you here, and you're probably already aware of this if you've been studying Scripture at any point in time for some period of time. When we stay in, in a couple of books like we're going to do, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, then we're going to switch over to 2 Thessalonians. You are going to hear some uh, recurring ideas, so don't come to church and go, oh man, that's, that's a lot like what they said last week. I'm going to go home. I'm just going to pre-warn you that you're going to hear some recurring themes because of what was being dealt with at the time. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Can you bring one slide up? And you'll see our verse up there, there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Uh, we're going to read it. I'm going to tell you when you go home, you should read this again because we can't, we can't go word for word through all of this just because we're not going to be here for four or five hours. I'm okay with it, but second service is not. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to read just the first, the first chunk of it, and we're going to move on. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brother, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not children of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. We're going to stop there. And be honest here. If you've been to church for a while, have you heard this passage talking about, um, for you yourselves are fully aware that the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Have you heard that before? I am, I am guilty of this too, and, and we have to be really careful. It brings us to our, our first point, and it's really, it's, it's hope, not fear. We have to be really careful because oftentimes church, and I use that word church, it, it means me and you and, and the body of believers, we use this passage like a boogeyman. We use this, and, and looking back, and I don't mean this derogatory, I feel that if I'm not careful when I use this passage here, I am becoming a stay-at-home housewife. And let me explain why. And I'll bet, I'll bet once you see it, you see it. If you're in a traditional family and, and you are the, the woman that stays home raising the kids and the kids misbehave, what is the number one threat you use when the children have just lost their minds? Wait till, wait till your father gets home. Oh, wait till the father gets home. He's going to get you real good, children. And if we're not careful, we use this passage in the same way. We, we take this passage right here, and it says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And we say, oh, just you wait till Jesus comes. And we wield it like a weapon. And I, I've got sermons that I wrote in the same way, talking about you know, watching your behavior because the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But if we're not careful, the church, us, we will take this words and we're going to almost make Jesus and the returning of Jesus as a threat. Wait till your father gets home. And that's not what it's there for. If we take just this small section that is going to come like a thief in the night while people are saying there's peace and security, basically saying people are going to say, hey, life is good. Life is great. We're doing great. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Man, we've got to be careful here, because I don't believe the writer here is trying to say, you behave because Jesus is coming back. I believe the writer is saying that there should be hope. There should be excitement. As a Christian, as a baptized believer, I believe we should look at these words and we shouldn't say we're scared of, of God returning. We should say we're excited about Jesus returning. Now there's a, there's a fine line between fear and nervousness. 
Because I, a lot of people will, will take their, their nervousness about Jesus returning, and they're nervous about it, and they'll say, well, I'm, I'm nervous about it, so that means I'm fearful. That, that's not what it means. It means you're nervous. I believe it's, it's okay to be nervous about Jesus returning. I'm nervous about Jesus returning. I'm nervous. I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of worries about that. I, I'm, honestly, family, I'm afraid Jesus is going to return. We're going to be in heaven, and I'm going to see someone there that I don't like, that did me wrong, and I'm going to say, no, God, no. And then we, we joke about that, but I'm really afraid God's going to look at me and say, fine, you're going to judge him, I'm going to judge you. I've got, I've got nervousness about that. I've got some nervousness that I'm, I'm afraid that someone I looked up to in, the, in the, the Christian community is not going to be there. I'm afraid someone I put up on a pedestal that, that said the right things, acted the right way, behaved the right way, but honestly, they didn't, they didn't follow Jesus in their heart. I'm afraid I'm going to get to heaven and I'm not going to see him. There's some nervousness. This passage, written to believers, should honestly put us in a place of saying, hey, there's, there's some hope here. This is exciting. This is, this is something to look forward to. There's hope. There's excitement. This idea of the boogeyman is coming we have to be really careful how we present the gospel. We have to present the gospel in the same light that, hey, Jesus is returning. It's a good thing. It's not Jesus is returning. You're doomed to hell. We should have hope in this as, as a body of believers because when we look at this passage, it should put everything in proper perspective. All the bads, all the hurt, all the loss, all the setback, all the worries, we're not orphans. We should look at this not with, with hope that Jesus is returning, but with the hope that everything that's going on bad right now is, is only temporary. And I know we say that a lot in, in the, the church, but it's important to be reminded over and over and over because when you're in the midst of the, of the, the bad, the hurt, the sorrow, the loss, when you're in the midst of that and someone comes and says, oh, it's only temporary, we want to choke them. So it's good to be reminded when we're having the good days, we remind ourselves during the good days that when the bad times come, it's only temporary. That when the hurt does show up, when the sorrow does show up, when the loss does show up, which it will, it's only temporary. So we need to be reminded of that constantly because we're in, when we are in the midst of the bad, it's really hard to see it. And this passage here is the light at the end of the tunnel. My problem is, is, is here's my problem. Friday night I was sleeping and I always go through my notes a lot in my head and Friday night I woke up and I thought to myself I don't have any idea how to, how to phrase this, this first chunk of scripture proper See, I wrote down hope not fear I'm like that doesn't make sense and then I thought maybe I should say hope and fear or maybe I should say hope with fear because it's, it's a fine line because I, I believe when we look at this passage there will be some people that will have some fear. And I'm saying you shouldn't have it, but I, I am fully aware there are people, and it might be you in this church, and it might be you watching online. It might be you who looks at this passage with a certain amount of fear, because I, I, know, I know a lot of what goes on. What there, what there happens is, is, is someone will say, I know Jesus. I, I see the evidence of Jesus. I believe Jesus. I know, he, I know he rose. I know he's God's son. I know he ascended to heaven. After the three days in the grave, he came and, and preached. And I know he went to heaven. But he's not my savior. See, I believe in my years of church, there are a tremendous amount of people that come to these services, that listen to the sermons, that worship, that sing the songs, and they will say those words, I believe Jesus. I know Jesus, but Jesus isn't my Savior. And so in, in that regard, people that say, I know Jesus, I believe Jesus, but he's not my Savior, I have not accepted salvation, there should be a, a tinge of fear. There's going to be a tinge of fear. Because when we look at this passage, it is, it is clear that so many times we live our lives like tomorrow was promised. And we live our lives like there'll always be extra time. We see it in parents. 
parents have this belief that they'll always have time to spend with their children before the children are too old. And almost everyone in this room can attest to that is not true. Kids get old. We believe we, we have the, the right amount of time to invest in our marriage, and time is fleeting. We believe we have the right amount of time to invest in other things, and we know that time is fleeting. And so I look at this passage, and I really struggle. Hope, not fear. That's true. That's true for believers. But how about for those who haven't quite made that decision to say, I know Jesus, I know who he is, I believe in him, to go from there to Jesus is my Savior. Time is short. Don't wait too long. And don't do it because you're afraid that Jesus is going to return this very second and you're going to be left out. Do it because you know Jesus, you believe Jesus, you love Jesus, you accept his gift of salvation. This passage here is, is really, we could probably spend all week straight in just this passage diving into what it means for people. And we can go back and forth, back and forth, because there is so much here. But really what this is, is a promise to the Christians when they're talking about the returning of Jesus. What is it? It's a promise that you are not alone. You are promised that you have not been forgotten. It's a promise that even when time goes by and you think there's too much time that's passed, it's still on God's time. So we should always have hope. And if we do have a little bit of fear in our lives, we should use that to drive to say, what is this fear about? Why do I have it? And what do I have to do to fix it? Because if you are honestly saying, I'm, I'm slightly fearful that Jesus is going to return. If you are fearful of that, you have to ask yourself the question, why? Why are you afraid? And let's, let's worry about that. Let's, let's dive into it. And there is no one in this room that can force you to open that can of worms up. Only you can answer yourselves what you're afraid of only you can answer what you're fearful of, and then you have to, you have to figure it out. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's read again. This time we're going to start just a hair lower. I think that's an eight. Yeah, it looks like an eight. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who got drunk, get drunk at night. But since we, are, we belong to the day, let us be sober. We're going to stop there. We're going to stop there. And that brings us to our second one. And it's effort, not idle. It's effort, not idle. Do you find it unusual like I do that the writer is, is talking to believers? He's discussing with believers that Jesus is going to come and it's going to be so sudden we don't have any way to prepare for it really because it's going to be fast. And then all of a sudden, right dead in the middle of his conversation... He switches the conversation over to those who are in sin. Is that, does that stick out to anyone else but me? Right in the middle where he's talking about Christians and the, talking about how these believers need to be ready for the coming of the Lord, and all of a sudden he shifts over to those who are not ready for the Lord. He says, those who get drunk get drunk at night. The people that are asleep, they're asleep at night. It's a complete shift from Christians to non-believers. Is that unusual to you? It's not to me. Because it's a reminder to Christians, and I wonder, I wonder and, and maybe when we stand before God, we'll know. I wonder if the people he was writing to this about what was going on. See, I've got this notion, and I, I'm, it could be wrong. This is not in the Bible. This is Jerry's, Jerry's idea. I wonder if the people he was writing this to, how many of them said, I'm a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, and almost everything else kind of went away. I wonder how many of them, once they said, I accept Jesus, and they got in their head, they said, oh, Jesus is coming back. When they had that idea in their head, how many of them only started focusing on their small circle around them? See, my, my idea, and I think a lot of them became so self-absorbed and so narcissistic that they stopped looking at everyone else, and the writer is saying, hey, look at all these people around you that are asleep. I think it's still a very subtle call to effort. I, and I personally, I love the word idle. It's one of my favorite words. It's a nice way of calling Christians lazy. So you, can't, you can't come to church and say you're lazy, but if you say, hey, let's not be idle, we can smile and go about our day like someone didn't just get insulted. I love this word. And really, if, if you believe that Jesus is coming back, and if you believe that Jesus is returning soon, 
This effort not idle is to you. This passage right here that was written right dead in the middle of this paragraph is to you. He's saying, look around yourselves. You're awake, but everyone else is asleep. If you believe that Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon, this passage right here is to you. You can't be lazy. You know, I, I, I love doomsday people. I love them. They make me so happy. Have you ever been around someone that really believes they know that the end is coming or they know when the end is coming exact dates? Have you ever been around them? They can't stop talking about it. They talk about nothing else. You, do, you don't invite a doomsday person to a party. They'll be looking around saying, we've got to save that food. We're going to need this cake when the, when the world goes, to, goes crazy. They will find reasons to tell you about it. Someone that believes they know that the end is coming or they, they are really, really sold in that something bad's getting ready to happen, they can't talk about anything else but that. It's kind of like auction day at the Barclow house. The auction day at the Barclow house, nothing else really matters. My son will be bleeding in the kitchen and Aaron's like, hey, your son's bleeding. I'm going, hey, look at these broken tractors that are for sale. Check this out, honey. That's all I could think about. And when you've got someone who believes they know that the end is coming, that is all they can talk about. Are we that way? I mean, can we honestly say we're the same way? Are we as, as eager, as enthusiastic in preparation of how to get people to know Jesus Christ and, and we know that the time is coming? We know the time has been coming, brothers and sisters, for years we have been living the end times from the very second Jesus went to heaven. The very second we are in the end times. And we've got people that are, are so sold out that they, there's different beliefs, and we'll cover them in the next point. We've got some people that are so sold out that something is going to happen in our world that they can't stop talking about it. Are you going to tell me that they are more enthusiastic about their beliefs than we are about ours? And I, I know. I've been to church for a long time. I know what happens. And I know how many people are either watching online or we're sitting here right now and, and we look across the aisles and we go, it's not my job. I, I know that. We know that. And we know that there's probably going to be, just in this room right now, there's probably a handful of you that will say, that's the preacher's job. That's the elder's job. That's the deacon's job. That's not my job. That's the, the person who shakes hands at the front and hands out bulletins. It's their job. It's their job to, to be welcoming and greeting and inviting. It's not my job. And I know that there's people right now watching or listening, they're going to say to themselves, I don't have enough education. I don't have the right answers. And we, we talk about this week after week after week. And we say, I don't have enough education to properly tell someone about Jesus Christ. I know. I love the word idle because whenever I say idle, I, I get a mental picture. I get a picture when you're driving down the highway and you see those great big semi-trucks and I love a semi-truck and you see them and they parked in the rest stop and they've got their great big sleeper in the back behind their, their rig and they're in there and they're sleeping and I know what they're doing, I know. I know they have a refrigerator, I know they've got a microwave, I know they've got a TV and they're just relaxing, they're laying in bed and you can always hear it going clack, 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 clack and you can hear that diesel just idling away because the person is sitting in the back in the sleeper just relaxing either in the air condition or they're relaxing in the heat and I love that word idle and I wonder to ourselves, are, is that us? As a body of believers, are we, are we that individuals who's sitting in the back of the truck that's doing nothing? And it makes me laugh because, see, the driver is a mere two feet from getting in that driver's seat and doing something. And we are the exact same way. We are mere inches of reaching people for Jesus Christ. Are, are we asleep? Are we on a break? Are we taking a nap? And I have a hard time saying this because I, I feel like my circle is honestly growing smaller. I feel like my, my circle of people that I can share Jesus with is, is really, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder and harder. And I feel like less and less people really want to hear about it. So I, I know the struggles. I know the struggles. No one, no one wants to bring the preacher to the birthday party unless they're a church. They're afraid I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister to them. I know it. 
And I know that the, what, what the Bible is asking you, what the Bible is pointing out, is, is it's a significant challenge. Sharing your faith with someone is a significant challenge, and, and it will be said over and over and over and over and over, and it's going to be preached from this pulpit, and it's going to be preached from other pulpits, and it's probably going to be preached until you guys and the church says, enough, I'm sick of hearing it, but it's not going to be stopped. We have to make an effort. If we as body of believers believe that Jesus is coming back, just like he says, if we believe there are people around us that are asleep, family, it is up to us to share Jesus Christ with them. All right, one more. One more reading, you can close your Bibles. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that, we, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We're going to fit on this, this last point, and it's, it's a very simple point. And it's, it's wisdom, not foolishness. It's wisdom, not foolishness. And and there are some words in here, and a lot of this stuff, we have, we have read this passage over and over and over. So what, instead of focusing on all those sentences, we're going to focus just on the last few words right there. Encourage one another and build one another up. Look at these words. Just as you are doing. Now we know, if we've studied Scripture for a while, we, we know that at this point in time when they were, when they were writing this letter here, we know that some of the believers were so sure that Jesus was coming back then that they were doing some really unusual things. And so I love the fact that he finished off this section with these very simple words, just as you are doing. What he's doing is telling them to keep going. Just keep doing what you are doing. And I just rephrase that in my own terms as be, be wise. Just keep doing what you are doing. And I, I believe it's a call to the believers that even if you believe that Jesus is coming back right this very second, it is a call to keep living the lives that we are called to do, not simply say, I quit everything, I'm going to sit under a tree and wait for Jesus to return. And, <laughs> and church family, I, I, feel, I feel silly saying this because I would probably wager every single one of you in this room and probably almost every, every child in America has been taught this very lesson by the time they graduate grade school by the world's most famous hen. We have been here and the sky is falling for years. We have taught this to our children and this is the same thing that we're, we're seeing here. Chicken little running around saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Kids hear this story, and so we should know this. We should know this by now, but it's not true. We should know that even when there are some signs that we look at and say, hey, something bad's coming, or hey, there's this going on, we should not be chicken little running around like a chicken with our head cut off saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. That's why this writer's saying, keep doing just as you are doing. I believe that we are called to keep living a Christian life regardless of when Jesus comes. There, is, there has been, there are so many, there are so much destruction and damage in the past from when people did not do these words. Here's just a, a few in, in the past. <clears throat> February 25th, 1524, there was a, a prophecy by Johannes Stoffler, he was a German mathematician and astrologer who predicted a great flood would cover the earth. He had so many people on board. One of them was Count van Iglaheim. He was a German nobleman who went so far as built a third, a three-story ark. It rained that day. It didn't flood. That's one. 1806, a domesticated person in Leeds, England, a, this is a hen, was laying eggs, and on the eggs was the message, Christ is coming. Great amount of people came to see this hen and look at these eggs that were written 
because they thought Christ was coming and the hen was prophesying Christ's return. It was the farmer. The chicken would lay an egg. He would write on it and stuff it back in for the egg to come back out. People saw that and believed it. Johannes Southcott started hearing voices that were re, re, uh, um, predicting future events, including crop failures, famines. In 1799 and 1788, she began publishing her own books and eventually developed a following of as many as 100,000 people. In 1813, she announced that in the following year, she would give birth to the second Messiah, whose arrival would signal the last days on earth. 100,000 people followed her. Let's do another one. Oh, this is, this is famous. The Great Maya Apocalypse. December 21st, 2012 marked the end of the first great cycle of the Maya Long Count Calendar. Many misinterpreted this to mean an absolute end of the cal calendar, which they thought was the end of the world. They believed that the end was coming because of the Mayan calendar. And family, I could sit here and read this all day long about people that had prophecies, predictions that Jesus was coming and people jumped on board and said, absolutely, it's true. But the problem was not that they said this is true. The problem was they took these last few words in our passage and they dismissed them. Where it says, just as you are doing, those words didn't run true to them. They didn't keep living a life they thought that they, they knew that Jesus was, was coming back. They thought they knew when, and instead of just doing as they were keep doing, they stopped. They changed their entire lives. And I want to I wanna know, was God in heaven looking down and saying, my children, please, please stop. And then I thought, could you imagine what it would be like to be God, to be the creator and he said, no one knows the time in which I'm, I'm, Jesus is returning. No one knows. Could you imagine what it would be like as God in heaven looking down and seeing all of the people that say, I love you, God. I worship you, God. I'm going to follow you to the end, God. And watching them make such foolish decisions. See, regardless of what direction we go with, with Jesus coming back, regardless of how we do it, these words right here are so strong. Even if you have one view, it says just keep doing as you are doing keep building each other up keep encouraging each other just as you are doing wisdom not foolishness and then i started thinking man can you could you imagine all of the destruction that has happened in our history just based on people believing jesus was coming back then the lives that were ruined the fortunes that were lost and you know what's ironic about all these fortunes that were lost who gets wealthy when you have someone that comes out and says, I know when Jesus is coming back, this is the date, who gets wealthy in that situation? You know who. There's only one person who gets wealthy in that situation. It's the individual who says, I know when. It's not the people that are, are buying into it and believing it. It's the person that says, I've got a prophecy, I've got a prediction, I've got my math set up. That is the person usually who gets wealthy. They're the ones, when their followers sell everything, they're the ones that receive it. They're the ones that are built up. They're the ones that are, are put in this esteem and this awe. It's them. And then I think to myself, how many times, and I've got several stories here about people who made a prediction, the prediction came out to be wrong, they instantly came and said, oh, my math is wrong, it's two more years. Over and over and over. They say, oh, I was wrong then, two more years then it's happening and i look at that and i think could you imagine how you would feel if you bought in 100 percent to this sold all your belongings got behind this this movement comes to find out you're wrong and you you turn around and say everything's lost or worse when you buy into these things you say jesus is coming and then jesus doesn't come when you think he's supposed to come you start blaming yourself am i not good enough Am I not holy enough? Did, not, did, did Jesus not want me? Am I not living a good enough life? And I thought all these things, people lose their careers, they lose their family, they lose their friends. All because these words right here, 
Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. It's so simple, family. Regardless of what direction we're going to start going, we are called to still have wisdom that we just keep doing as we are called to be doing. We shouldn't throw everything in the garbage of this life because we think we have a certain date when Jesus is coming back. We are called to continue to live until that moment. We are called to live as a family, encouraging each other, building each other up, reaching those around us who are asleep in sin. We are called to keep encouraging them just as we do, even if we think we have the right idea of times. Wisdom, not foolishness. Too many people's lives have been destroyed. Too many uh, reputations have been ruined. All because we have an idea of when Jesus is coming. And, and Jesus was quite clear, no one knows the time. So these people that are saying, I got a prophecy. Here's, here's the problem. When they say the end is coming, they are absolutely right. The end is coming. The end has been coming ever since Jesus went back to heaven. We have been living the end times. And so anything you hear, it's partially correct. Jesus is coming. And I say that not to instill fear in anyone, but to inspire hope in Christians that we're not alone. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, as our praise team comes to lead us in a song of decision, I'm going to say now is a great time to, to take part in that hope. And, and not to do it because you're afraid of Jesus, but to do it because you love Jesus. Not to do it because you're afraid of judgment, but because you're excited to see your Creator. Hey, if you're watching online and, and you have not made a decision for Jesus, uh, we say it every week, uh, get a hold of us at the office. Uh, we can make some plans. We'll take you back. We'll dunk you. It'll be great. Or maybe you're having a rough week. You want some prayers. Hey, come on down. We'll pray with you. If you're online, you want some prayers, put on that connection card. We pray about them. We look at them. We, we keep them in our mind. If it's confidential, please mark it. Or if you're a baptized believer and you like First Christian Church and we be part of our family, hey, come on down. We'll welcome you with open arms. Let's stand as we get ready to sing. Thank you.
lecture for the jury. I woke up and all the follicles of my hair started to really move forward after Jerry started that great sermon. I'm inspired about what I'm about to say. Most Christians feel great after hearing sermons, hymns, and songs. Well, I'm going to talk to you about one of the 12. His name is Philip. Philip, we're going to talk about uh, chapter 14, and I'm going to go to a truth that Christ told him. And it goes like this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask, will be done with you. He and the Father has sent love through grace to go into each one of you and out to the others who have not known Christ. Please take this to heart. Let this dwell in your hearts and form a union with Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dearest God, forgive us for our weakness. Forgive us for falling aside. As Jerry said, being idle. Let us be active in thought, word, and deed. And we ask this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.
on the inside of your bulletin, we have our announcements for this week. Um, there's a Harvest Party volunteer meeting today at 4 p.m. It's going to be held in the other building. Uh, we have, Jerry has all of his youth groups this evening. Roger's group is meeting. We have a few of us that are going to be coming in after service, after second service, to do some work on our projection system. Um, Stitches of Love's meeting Monday, LOL's on Tuesday. Um, we have all of our Bible studies. There's a security team meeting on Saturday. And uh, Al Brandon's life group is going to begin on October 5th. The food pantry is looking for items. We ask that you take note of that. And um, pancake breakfast is coming up, up October 7th. And also at this time, I think Paul has something he wants to share about the security team. Good morning, good morning. Uh, I just want to take a few minutes uh, real quick just to let you guys know this coming up Saturday, we're going to have uh, a security team meeting. Now, if you remember uh, earlier in the year, we put it on hold um, when enough members weren't, didn't have enough to actually get things started. So we're going to invite people in uh, this coming up Saturday. It's at 8 o'clock in the morning. So the intent is we'll come in there, we'll kind of give the vision uh, and kind of some of the expectations of everything of what we need and some of the considerations that we work through. We'll figure out how many people actually want to participate, and depending on that number, if we have enough, then we'll move right into an actual planning session with getting some training and getting some other things done. So uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, see me after the service, uh, come on next Saturday, but that's the plan. I just want you guys to know. All right. Um, I think that's all the announcements we have. Everything's in the bulletin, so we ask that you take note of that. And like I said, if you're interested in being on the security team, uh, catch up catch up with Paul after service. On the back side of your bulletin, we have our prayer concerns and prayers of celebration. <clears throat> the spa ladies had a great turnout or had a nice uh, gathering. We had a nice turnout at prime time, and we enjoyed doing those fellowship activities. We have a lot of things we've been praying for. We ask that you take note of those in your bulletin. Keep Kurt Lang in your prayers. He had a procedure that went well, and he's going to have a couple weeks of recovery, so keep him lifted up in your prayers. We have a lot of other people we've been praying for. And we want to continue to lift them up in our prayers along with our troops, our shut-ins. Uh, we're focusing on, on uh, Santa on the West End stocking project, so keep that uh, ministry in your prayers. And if you can help them, that'd be a blessing. And also, we want to lift up all the missions that we support. So at this time, let's stand together, and we will have a, uh, a, a time of uh, silent prayer, and then I'll close us with prayers. The praise team leads us out today. Let's go, to the, let's go together to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it's amazing that you can hear all of our prayers and all those lifted up all around the world, Father, and we're so thankful that you listen to us and that you act. And Father, help us to just seek answers to the prayers that we've lifted up to you, look for those answers from you. Lord, I pray that you be with, the, with us as we leave this place today. I pray that you help us to stay encouraged and strengthened, and help us, Lord, not to be fearful of your return, but looking forward to, to it joyfully. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for church this morning. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, everybody.